Will you recognize Jesus this Easter? Luke 9, 18 through 20. If you turn in your New Testaments, Luke 9, 18 through 20. And this is the word of God. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ of God. Now, I think we imagine that if we were living in those days, that we would certainly see Jesus, the second person of God, and we would certainly uh, be one of those people who would believe him. And if we were living back then, we would not only believe him, we would be some, some of those people that would follow him closely. You know, we would, we would be disciples. I mean, if you had seen Jesus, and this is immediately after Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women plus children with a little boy's lunch and seen all these miracles, well, certainly, you know, we would believe in him. But I'm going to tell you, that is not necessarily true. Truth is, is the crowd saw all this. The crowd saw him feed 5,000 and, and then again later saw him feed 4,000 people. And we read in John's gospel that after he had fed the, the 4,000 and put it all together, and Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you, you have no salvation in you unless you believe in me and follow me. And we read in John 6, 66, that from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and followed him no longer. These were people that thought they knew who Jesus was. And they turned away, and they're not going to follow him anymore. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that people today, uh, we're, we're the same today as we always have been. And in our text, Jesus asked two questions that just sizzle with relevance for today and it is the second question i believe that is a kind of a pop test on where we are with jesus in our hearts as we approach easter in 2013 we're uh coming out of a a, a lengthy preaching series and sometimes we're very busy and it's hard for us sometimes to just say whoa it's easter again and this year we're going to grind down to a lower gear kind of like advent and we're going to approach easter and today we're looking at the true identity of Jesus Christ and what it means. Now in the flow of Luke's gospel, uh, in chapter 9, Jesus has fed the 5,000 men plus women plus children with the little boys lunch. And now he has removed himself to a, a private area to pray. Uh, we learn in Matthew 16 that this is the place called Caesarea Philippi. And it is alone with his disciples that Jesus asked these two questions. And he's still asking his disciples these questions today. And he is asking you and me these two questions. And both of them are important. The first question is, who do people say that I am? Who do the crowds say that I am? Verse 18, it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked, who do the crowds say that I am? One scholar said this is the first Gallup poll. You know, let's, what, poll for me, take a poll for me of what the opinion 
of me is. What are you hearing about me uh, among the, the, the crowds? And you know, it's still very important for us to understand what our culture says about Jesus. We live in, in our culture. If you were a missionary, you would go to another culture. You would have to know what the history of that culture is with Jesus, uh, what's going on in the church, if the church has been introduced there. You'd want to know, if you were talking about Jesus, what the people around you actually thought about Jesus. Well, it's a very important question. But we do learn here that when it comes to Jesus, we don't count on popular opinion to accurately define him. In fact, if you, you look in the New Testament, what we see is that the crowds very seldom get it right about Jesus. Feeding 5,000, 4,000, Jesus calls for commitment, and what we find out is they're saying, hey, we really like you. You're like Moses. That was true. You gave us bread, but we're not going to follow you. If you, want, if you want commitment from us, if you want us to find our, our life in you, we're not going to follow you. And, and they turned away. So what they're saying about Jesus is very complimentary, but they're really not saying that he is Lord. The crowds usually, as they are today, are, are very impressed with Jesus. Have you ever noticed that people are impressed with Jesus? I mean, I know there are ugly people on the Internet that are dissing Jesus all the time. And there are people who grew up in angry fundamentalist households who are just allergic to Jesus. I, I know that. I know that. And then there are people that have been taught a kind of a marginal, gentle, Jesus, meek and mild thing, and, and they just basically have given up on Jesus because there's nothing compelling about Jesus to them. They're actually going to look for something that actually will give life. And that version of Jesus wasn't Jesus. But most people are impressed in some way with, with Jesus. They... In the Bible, the crowds say he, he teaches with power, with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. We, we know that he must be a teacher who's come from God, even the Pharisees say, because no one could do what he does unless he comes from God. We've never seen anything. The crowds marveled because they had never seen anything like this. They say he's like Moses. They'll be saying in two weeks as we, as we get closer to Easter, Hosanna! Blessed is he comes in the name of the Lord. That's right before they say, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, here's what we're hearing, Jesus. Right now, we're hearing some of you are saying that you're, you're John the Baptist. Come back from the dead. Others are saying, Elijah... Others are saying that you're one of the prophets that has come back from the dead, that, that has risen. And look, these are really impressive answers. I mean, just the fact that they didn't get it right, don't, don't think for a moment that there's not a very high opinion of Jesus forming as he is teaching, as he is doing these miracles. And could we give people a little bit of a break? We know who Jesus is from having the whole Bible from the, the teaching that has been handed down to us from age to age in the church. They certainly had the prophecies of the Messiah, but he just burst onto the scene. He did not come in the way that they expected him to come. He had not, did not come to the station that they expected him to come. And there he is, and they're handling all this, trying to decide who this man is. And let's keep in mind, there were several people who came before him who said they were the Messiah. 
Some of those are even mentioned uh, in the New Testament. So I want to give them a, a little bit of a break in that, in that regard. But this is big stuff. Elijah? You know, Elijah will come back and he'll point the way. Well, that was John the Baptist, not Jesus. Well, maybe he's John the Baptist come back from the dead. Or, or maybe he, and we read in Matthew 13, maybe he's Jeremiah. I mean, for a Judea, I mean, a uh, um, Galilean carpenter, that's big stuff to be called Elijah or Jeremiah. But we learn that being positive about Jesus is not the same thing as being a Christian. It's not the same thing as being able to understand Jesus' true identity, to positively ID Jesus and line up our hearts and lives and belief with who Jesus actually is. To this day, there are polls about Jesus. And there is a, a high level of admiration for Jesus. I, I just point out, as I have before, every year it seems, one of the major periodicals, whether it's Time or Newsweek or U.S. News, I mean, there you go, you, you know, there's Jesus on the cover, you know. Who is Jesus? Is you, or something like that. Who is Jesus really? Or um, what was the real Jesus like? You know, these are the, the things that are on the popular newsstands of our culture. And, and we still find that Jesus, in some way, is very admired. He is admired because people recognize that he was very loving. He was admired because people recognize that he was very merciful. He's admired because he spoke truth and he was considered and, and is considered by so many people to, uh, to be a great teacher. Many people in other religions in the world consider him a prophet, even a prophet in their religion. I don't know anybody, even an atheist, who considers Jesus Christ insignificant. And even people that don't even believe he existed think, he's, think he, the, it, who he is to us in our culture is significant. So the question, who do the people say that I am, who do the crowds say that I am, is a very important question. For the first 19 years of my life, I did not know who Jesus was. I knew all about Jesus. But I did not know who he was. I, I was in the crowd, and, and I thought, you know, he really is a great teacher. And I really would like to emulate him. You know, Jesus was nice, you be nice. Jesus loved the poor, you love the poor. Jesus loved children, you love children. You know, all of these, these type things that, that, that I kind of cut my teeth on in, in my religious tradition. That we kind of looked at Jesus, admired him deeply, including his sacrificial death on the cross, which, though you don't have to die on a cross, is the sign of what, what of being a Christian is. You, you love people sacrificially, and then God will love you. See, Jesus has shown us the way. He's been nice, he's been good, he's been loving, he's been sacrificial. Now, we know that's not the meaning of the cross. He actually died for our sins and took the penalty for our sins. But, you know, I mean, even though there was something about Jesus that unnerved me a little bit, and that had to do with, with my sin and his holiness... I thought Jesus was pretty cool growing up. And, and, and just like everybody else, I fit Jesus very neatly into my, my thought process and viewpoint, religiously. And Jesus had a place among all the other religions, the, just right there in the cafeteria line of all the people and all the things you could believe in. 
um, is Jesus. And after all, I was born in the United States. I was raised on Jesus, so that's probably why I'll, I'll say that Jesus is, is, um, is important. I love the Doobie Brothers song, Jesus is just all right with me. <laughs> because you know why? Because that spoke to where I was. Jesus was just all right with me. Some say he's John the Baptist. Sometimes he's Elijah. Jesus is all right with the crowds. It's important for us to know what people say about Jesus. And here in the United States, and especially in Mississippi, people are say really nice things about Jesus when they're not using his name in vain. So, can you really like Jesus and miss who he really is? I think it's an important question to ask, don't you? Can you really like Jesus and admire Jesus and miss fundamentally who he really is? Who do the crowds say that I am? The second question is kind of the pop test that uh, Jesus is giving us here in his church as his followers. Um, and the question is more personal. What about you, he says? Who do you say? That I am. I love how Jesus takes the same question and he just makes it personal. It is plural. He is asking the group, but he is asking each person in the group to consider what they believe about Jesus. And to this day, Jesus is personally asking, as we read in verse 20, who do you, but who do you say that I am? Now, per usual, it is Peter who steps up and, and, and voices on behalf of the group. It's kind of dangerous when somebody talks for a whole group. And Peter is not bashful to speak for the entire group. Um, Peter is maybe wrong, but he's never in doubt. You know, it, it, Peter doesn't always say what's exactly right, but, but one of the things we know about Peter is his heart is 100% in it. And uh, Peter is the spokesman, generally, for the apostles, Peter becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, one day, uh, after the, the Spirit of God comes in, in Acts chapter 2, one scholar jokingly suggests that Peter was the DL of the group, the designated, designated loudmouth of the group. But here is a very important moment in all of history. And I, I think we don't understand when we read in Matthew 13 and in Luke 9, just how significant this moment, when Peter took a breath and said what, we, what he said, just how important this was to you and me sitting here this morning. We call it Peter's great confession or his great declaration of the true identity of Jesus. And here, Peter gets an A+. Plus in his answer. Now, Jesus will say it's because God revealed it to you. He's going to get an A plus for his answer, and it is a great moment. Peter says out loud and definitively about Jesus for the very first time it was ever uttered in this world. People had mused whether Jesus was the Messiah or Elijah or this or that. Maybe he's this, maybe he's that. This is the first time anybody said definitively out loud, on planet earth you are the christ of god this is important luke says you're the christ of god matthew's gospel he adds more to it i mean all of it together is is what's going on simon peter we read in matthew 13 simon peter answered you are the christ 
the Son of the living God. Basically, what Peter says is you are God the Son, the very one sent to save us, the one we've been looking for, the one who rules and reigns over all, because that's what it means. God has come as Savior, as Rescuer, and as King. That's the concept of Messiah. That's why Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Two weeks from now, you'll get, we'll get all that put together and we'll go, oh, that's what Messiah means. So, so Messiah doesn't mean just that I personally get saved. Messiah is the answer of the ages to the questions of humanity and the question of history unfolding in a linear fashion to the very last day where God will reign over a world without sin. And in the midst of this, He is the Lord over history. He is the Messiah. Greek for Messiah is Christ. He is the Christ. Peter says it this way, You are God the Son, sent to save us and to rule over all. That's a very different answer from what the crowds were saying about Jesus. And he didn't even say, well, they say this and they say that, but I say you're the Christ. Don't you love Peter? You are the Christ. You got to love Peter. Bullseye. In Matthew 16, 17, Jesus immediately answers Peter. He said, you are, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John or son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I, and I declare to you that you are now Petros. Simon, son of John, you are now Peter, Petros, rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. From this moment on, the rest of the disciples, and even us, will and we do operate on Peter's ID of Jesus and Jesus' confirmation that this is directly from God. From then on, in the Gospels, he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Rescuer who is King, who rules over all. Now, Even in this passage, the crowds can still take or leave Jesus. I mean, as we go forward, finally, you know, in in the, the Passion Week, we see the ultimate example, as I mentioned, that the crowds can take or leave Jesus. And at the end, the crowds betray him. To this very day, the crowds, the culture, feel very at liberty, and it's Something we have to do to define Jesus, to redefine Jesus, to suit our personal tastes and our personal theologies and our personal philosophies. And people today can say he's just another teacher or just another option or that he's nothing. But a believer in Christ will always echo what Peter said. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I don't think you can say it any better than Peter said. For two reasons. It's the most concise, dead-on description of Jesus, and it came directly from God revealing that to Peter's heart and Peter believing and Peter being able to say right out of the revelation of God the true identity of Jesus. C.S. Lewis, in his important book, Mere Christianity, talks about how people like to redefine Jesus and 
and how, you know, you can do that like the crowds did, but that doesn't change who Jesus is. Lewis says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying that really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claims to be God. That is the one thing, however, we must not say. A man who is merely a man, who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic to say what he said on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must choose. Either this man was and is the son of God or he is a madman or he is something worse than a madman like a cult leader to ruin people's lives. You can shut him up by calling him a fool. You can spit on him. You can kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come, Lewis says, let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about being a great human teacher. He has simply not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, this is important. The crowds say this, and they say this, and what people just say what they want to say. Who do you say? Direct from God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God, the second person, come in the flesh to redeem us and to rule over all and to rule history as king forever. Daryl Bach, in his really fine commentary says the fundamental significance of this passage is its recognition of who Christ is. There is no greater tragedy or error in judgment in life than to underestimate Jesus Christ. Because to miss him, to miss the one who possesses the gift of life is to miss life itself. Let me say that again, kind of as a transition. To miss the one who is able to give life, the possessor of the gift of life, is to miss life itself. So, what does this mean as we approach Easter? Who do you, I mean you personally, who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus wants us to stop and to consider very carefully who he is. He wants us not just to be reminded or even just to be re-amazed. He wants us to go beyond simply knowing the right formula and saying the right answer and checking the right theological box. No, he wants us to be drawn to him as Savior. He wants to be drawn to his wonderful love and relationship to us as Savior. He wants us to not only be drawn to him actually as our rescuer and redeemer, he wants us to act out on that love in the world because he is king. If he is the Christ, then we need, and if he's the Christ, the, the Redeemer, the, the, the Messiah, then we need to accept his Messiahship. 
We need to accept His salvation. We need to accept His forgiveness. We need to accept His acceptance of us because of His death on the cross. If you've never put your trust in Jesus and you're wondering who Jesus is, I am certainly not coming down on you for wondering. I'm only bringing what the Scriptures declare is the truth about Jesus. It's like the guy in the airport in, in London. Um, he and his friend were, were coming over to, to America from, from England. They were English, coming over to, England, to America to, to take a holiday, as they called it. And we started talking about Jesus. It was a long layover there in Heathrow, and we started talking about Jesus. And, man, I'm getting all kinds of things about Jesus. And then there was the whole thing that who can really know? And I just very lovingly said, have you ever considered that what you think about Jesus doesn't change who he is? And, and his companion, the, the young lady, said, that is an outstanding point. And I just very, tried to very, be very loving. If I, I very lovingly said, if that's an outstanding point, then do you want to know what the scriptures say about Jesus? And we got to talk about Jesus on the plane. They sat near me. And then uh, I think I caused him to order like five little small bottles of alcohol and he passed out. That's one way to get away from the gospel is to drink a lot and pass out. <laughs> it's bad being with an evangelist 12 hours on an airplane. If he is the Christ, accept his salvation. You can't earn it. Accept his forgiveness. Don't you want to be forgiven? He is the one sent from God. We can't do it ourselves. If you are a believer, this, this Christmas, I mean the Christmas, this, this Easter, Christmas too, um, this, next Christmas, this Easter, stop. Accept his acceptance. See, it's not just like, okay, I got my theology straight. You're God, the second person who'd come to redeem and you reign, reign over all. Got it. No, it's, I need you. And I'm, I know that you accept me based on your, your death. And I accept your acceptance in a fresh way as my redeemer. Secondly, if he is the Christ of God, then accept his love and his tender care and his gracious, personal shepherding of your lives. Look, he's the one. If he's the one, then find your life in him. Then let him be the good shepherd. Take the reality of your life. Take the hurt, the anxiety, the sin, whatever. Take it to Him if He's the one. Let Him love you if He's the one. I mean, this great? We're heading to Easter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that is meaningful beyond the component definitions of each of those words. Find your life in Him. And I, I will tell you, that this, this, in Jesus, in His forgiveness, in His love, this is the only place the human soul can actually thrive. There is no native soil for the human soul but with God. We were born in a garden with God. We've been separated from God. And that is why Jesus came to reconnect us, to give us salvation and relationship with God. And when we live our lives just kind of out here in some potted plant soil of our own making or the making of the culture, I'm telling you, it is not nutritious. It is not life. This is the only place 
that the human soul can thrive over time. If he's the one, let him love you. Go to him. He's the one who loves you most and best. And then finally, if he's Christ and the second person of God, then accept his reign. Accept his reign over your life. Let him command you. Let, you know, let us come under his leadership. Not just his guidance in the sense that he knows what's best and it's always good and we want to flow with him and find out what's good for us. That's not, I'm talking about his commands. If Jesus reigns over all, then come under his reign. And his commands are not burdensome, we read. Joyfully obey his commands because his commands, all, all of it, is hung on, on this one peg. It's all about love, isn't it? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love in his name. That's his command. Love others. Live like the good news is good news. Show and tell the gospel in a world that desperately needs the real Jesus. All because Jesus is the second person of God who was sent to redeem us, who reigns over all. You are the Christ of God. Let's don't miss the actual Jesus this Easter. Let's pray. Lord, would you open our eyes to the reality of what Messiah means as second person of God. If you never put your trust in Christ and you'd like to, you, you see that God sent him to, to rescue you. That he died on a cross to take away the barrier between you and God, our sin. Then just pray with me. Lord, I, I see it. I've never seen it like this and I want to turn from everything I've called Christianity called religion from my own selfishness my own self-seeking and I turn to you Jesus and what you have done come into my life Lord would you help me now and, and the rest of us pray would you help us to find our true life in your forgiveness in your acceptance, in the security that you alone bring for us as people so that we might obey the law of love, that we might follow your command, which equals love, and that you might powerfully work in the world, even through your confessing church and your confessing disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.